You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, hello, and welcome along to this edition of Attaboy Clarence. Sorry there was no show last week. The logistical problems of being a podcaster in a house full of people that can't go anywhere are quite difficult, I'm telling you that. Well, wowza, the film festival was last weekend, and oh my goodness, what a huge success. Two full days of movies, shorts, and quizzes, and it was glorious, although my brain was incredibly fried by the end of Sunday. I had to watch 20-something hours of movies, which can't be good for the old eyes. I know, because I'm constantly telling that to my children. Heed your own advice, Dad. We watched horrors and dramas and comedies and musicals and cartoons and silent movies and get this, over 800 of you jumped in over the weekend. That's over 800 individual folks over the course of Saturday and Sunday jumped in to watch movies together with us. Staggering. Such an honour to spend all that time with you. I've had nothing but folks asking when the next one will be, so I'm very excited to say that next weekend... No, I'm kidding. (laughs) It would be glorious to spend another weekend doing it, but I think perhaps we need to regroup plan it for a future date. My hugest thanks go to Ben, my co-organiser, who really did make the whole thing possible. Thank you, Ben, you wonderful man. And thank you also to Maria, the amazing mind behind the quiz. The quiz was so much fun. Prizes being sent out now to our worthy winners, just as soon as I can battle post-apocalyptic style to the post office. It's like the Hunger Games out there. Obviously, my hugest thanks go to you if you attended also, but special mention has to go to the gorgeous Gretchen, who I think I'm right in saying spent more time than anyone else in terms of minutes watching movies with us all. She was there from the first to the last minute on both days. Gretchen the stalwart. If you're a patron slash co-producer, though, you can get a sequel of sorts to the film festival this month on Sunday the 26th of April at 7pm British summertime. We'll be watching the double bill of movies that we couldn't fit in at the festival, the Invisible Best Friends section. 1937's Topper, starring Cary Grant, Constance Bennett and Roland Young, followed by Harvey, starring James Stewart. So if you're up for more group-watching, hat-spotting fun, then make sure you're signed up as a co-producer and look out for that invite to this month's film club. Right now, though, let's launch this particular ship with a tune from the Ink Spots. When I'm not playing solitaire, I take a book down from the shelf. And what with programs on the air, I keep pretty much to myself, Mr. Saturday Dance. Heard the crowded the floor. Couldn't bear it without you. Don't get around much anymore. Thought I 
visit the club Guide as far as the door They'd have asked me about you Don't get around much anymore Oh, darling, I guess My mind's more at ease But nevertheless Why stir up memories Been invited on days Might have gone, but what for? Awfully different without you Don't get around much different without you don't get around much anymore don't get around much anymore don't get around much anymore and that was the ink spots with don't get around much anymore which in absolutely no way describes life in general right now <laughs> Well, after the triumphant return of Who the Hell is That Hollywood Legend last week, who am I to put the brakes on this train? Prick up those ears, my guys, and see if you can tell who this is. Kind of a cheat one, this one. This isn't exactly a Golden Age star. Almost a Golden Age star, but missed by a decade or two. Certainly a well-loved star, and would you believe it, this particular star is still around today. Anyway, as ever, this is only a bit of fun. So let's see if you can tell... Who the hell is that Hollywood legend? As you know, the other form of questioning this trip, one question at a time, in turn moving clockwise, and we'll begin with uh, Miss Oakland. Uh, from that applause, I take it that you're a prominent member of the entertainment world. Yes. Mr. Surf? Uh, do you appear on the Broadway stage or in nightclubs? No. No? One out of nine to go, Miss Francis. Are you then a motion picture performer? Yeah. Mr. Bean? Are you associated with bizarre, macabre horror movies? Now, two down and eight to go, Miss Oakland. Are you associated with romantic leads? Yes. <laughs> Mr. Sir? You sound English, so I presume you're not. <laughs> 
That would be a nice little three down and seven to go, Bennett. <laughs> you were right by Miss Francis. Is he English? Oh, there he is. Uh, are you English? Yeah. That won't count as a question, because I think Bennett really revealed that. You go I ahead, think. Arlene. Are you, are you a director as well as a performer? No. That's four down and six to go, Mr. Bean. Do you... No, it couldn't be him. <laughs> uh, have you made a musical? No. Five down and five to go, Miss Oakland. Are you currently in a movie in which you have a great deal to do with a great many young ladies? And we will stop it there. Do you have an idea? You must know, surely. <laughs> anyway, we'll find out later, so listen on. On to a movie I watched a great pre-code drama last week, 1932's Attorney for the Defense, starring Edmund Lowe, Evelyn Brent, and Constance Cummings. Objection? I hope not. Another feather in my cap. Yes, a horse feather. Huh? Didn't you hear what the judge said about me? My able and fearless presentation of the people's case? The people had no case. All they had was a very clever district attorney. If you'd been Wallace's lawyer, he'd be a free man today. He was convicted on circumstantial evidence, and you know it. What's the difference as long as he's guilty? You didn't prove he is. You just made the jury think so. Man's guilty. I know you think he is. Maybe you're right. But it's all wrong. Why don't the people have a defense attorney as well as a prosecutor? This is going to be a tricky one, because the reason I wanted to talk about this film was because the plot is so good. So I don't want to spoil it for you. Let me lay out the way it begins, though. Edmund Lowe plays a district attorney named Burton, who's perhaps a little too eager to rack up the prosecutions to consider the human impact of hustling guys off to jail. That's certainly the feeling as the film opens, where he's just done a whirlwind job on James Wallace, played by Dwight Fry. I'm just another headline for you. The 18th guy you've railroaded to the electric chair. Because you want the governor's chair. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Let him finish. Why don't you finish? Off James goes to the electric chair, leaving behind a wife and a son. When evidence emerges shortly afterwards that Wallace was in fact innocent, Burton is struck by a crippling remorse that causes him to rethink his life choices. Not only does he insist upon financially supporting Wallace's family, but he also jacks in his job as DA, embarking instead upon a career as a defense attorney, or as the title of the film puts it, get ready for a title drop, an attorney for the defense. Either way around, means the same thing. All right, take a letter. To His Excellency the Governor. Dear sir, for reasons that are self-evident, I can no longer function as district attorney. From now on, I'm going to devote myself to the defense of accused persons instead of to their prosecution. And yikes, I have to stop talking there. You're going to have to trust me a lot on this review, and my apologies up front. If I spill what happens next, it's going to ruin your enjoyment and how. Because I was glued to this thing, despite the fact that it has no real megastars to speak of, despite the fact that it's a shabby-looking little thing, and despite the fact that most of the performances are more wooden than Pinocchio's love life. Yes, the true star of this movie is the writing, which is so damn good. It's written by Joe Swirling, one half of the team who gave you It's a Wonderful Life, and the plot is a devious beast indeed. It's as though Swirling looked at every situation 
and plumped for the most dramatic pathway through them all. Who would be the least likely person to be accused of murder? Well, let's accuse them of murder then. Who would be the most intriguing person for Burton to defend in court? Well, that's who he'll defend then. Honestly, this is storytelling at its finest. Some brilliant choices in there. I also love that it manages to cram into its minuscule 70-minute running time a quite affecting human drama about a family rebuilding itself, a love story, a murder mystery, a detective story, and a thrilling courtroom drama. Trust me, this is one that will fly beneath your radar unless you go out now and look for it. 1932's Attorney for the Defense is brilliance. You're going to love it. On to a 1940 comedy? Drama? What the hell is it? Perhaps we'll decide along the way. This is The Lady in Question, starring Rita Hayworth, Brian Ahern, Glenn Ford, and Evelyn Keyes. Here's a clip. If you can take time off for that foolishness, why can't he? Foolishness? Oh, Michelle, how can you say a thing like that? Since when has jury duty been foolishness? When his country calls, every citizen of France owes it to himself to serve. Everybody else tries to avoid jury duty, but my husband runs to it. Brian Ahern plays the patriarch of a French family, André, in the early 20th century, who finds himself on the jury of a sensational murder trial. Accused of the killing is the beautiful Natalie, played by Rita Hayworth, who's in the dock accused of murdering her on-off boyfriend. Uh, A few days before his death, he told me he could be free of her if he could pay her enough. It isn't true! By sympathising with Natalie and refusing to believe her guilt... Andre manages to convince his fellow jurors to find Natalie innocent. But what now for the girl whose name has been dragged through the courts and the papers? Why, he'll take Natalie into his family home and into their family business, a small bicycle shop in the heart of Paris. But by doing so, he may well have unwittingly allowed his bookish young son, Pierre, played by Glenn Ford, to fall in love for the first time. He also might have made his wife suspect an ulterior motive for allowing this glamorous young girl into their house. And he also might, just might, have allowed a murderess into the family. Mr. Morriston, I think we've made a mistake. Yes. I've been re-examining the case, and certain facts which were presented at the trial lead me to believe that we gave the wrong verdict. It's an intriguing little situation, and it's based on a famous French play from 1937. Have to say, you can usually tell when a play is on screen. You get that real sense of confinement sometimes, but not so here. This feels very much like a movie in its own right, which is splendid. I do also like the fact that this has a lot to say about things like gossip and the power of rumours. One of these supporting characters lights the fire of suspicion beneath Natalie quite early on, and a significant part of the movie is devoted to exploring that theme of how a rumour can influence our behaviour towards people. There are certainly cracks in the thing, though. For a start, Brian Ahern, playing an elderly patriarch. He was 38 years old when he was playing in this film, so all they did was dust his hair with flour and get him to make a double chin when he talks. He's just not old enough. In fact, the producers had such a lack of faith in him as an older man that if you look at the poster for the film, you'll see him in matinee idol mode, without makeup, gazing dreamily up at a scantily clad Hayworth, giving a hugely false impression of what the film is actually about. Also, the tone of the film is wildly haphazard. The love story's sweet, but the comedy rarely hits its mark, meaning that when they're discussing murder and justice, the jokes just feel incredibly insensitive. 
Perhaps the humour was lost in translation somewhere, but when you couple this odd tonal imbalance with Brian Ahern and his fake old man, you really are taken out of the experience quite often and reminded that it's a movie and not a coherent story that you're watching. Hayworth and Ford, though, are gold. This was their first movie together. They followed it six years later with Gilda and then three more outings. And they look like such little puppies in this. It's really sweet. Hayworth is devastatingly beautiful, as always, and Glenn Ford looks young. I've never seen him looking so boyish. It's really sweet. All in all, an uneven experience, but one definitely worth seeking out just so that you can decide for yourselves. I can't say that I adored it, but 1940's The Lady in Question is certainly an interesting, if somewhat flawed, experiment. You must have been a beautiful baby You must have been a wonderful child When you were only starting to go to kindergarten I bet you drove the little boys wild And when it came to winning blue ribbons You must have shown the other kids how I can see the judge's eyes as they handed you the prize I bet you made the cutest bow Oh, you must have been a beautiful baby Cause baby, look at you now Does your mother realize The stork delivered quite a prize The day he left you on the family tree Does your dad appreciate That you're merely super great The miracle of any century If they don't just send them both to me must have been a beautiful baby You must have been a wonderful child When you were only starting to go to kindergarten I bet you drove the little boys wild And when it came to winning blue ribbons You must have shown the other kids how I can see the judge's eyes as they handed you the prize I bet you made the cutest bow Oh, you must have been a beautiful baby Cause, baby, look at you now And that was Bing Crosby with You Must Have Been a Beautiful Baby, which is very fitting, considering the star we're about to gaze lovingly at. 
One of the highlights of the film festival was when we showed the ultra-rare Joan Crawford movie, Letty Linton. All about a woman who finds herself in the centre of a murder case after being blackmailed by the victim. I say ultra-rare because it's been impossible to see the movie since its release in 1936. It was the victim of a plagiarism suit brought by playwrights Edward Sheldon and Margaret Barnes, who argued successfully that Letty Linton followed the plot of their play Dishonored Lady a little too closely. The courts agreed and Letty Linton was suppressed henceforth. I'm not going to review Letty Linton just yet, as it's still almost impossible to see. So no sense in teasing about a movie you can't actually get hold of. Maybe soon, though. Well, in 1947, United Artists did the right thing and licensed the actual play itself and cast Hedy Lamarr in the lead alongside Dennis O'Keefe and the Brighton Strangler himself and Hedy Lamarr's real-life husband at the time, John Loder. The result was Dishonored Lady, and I love this movie so damn much. Here is a clip. I don't need a psychiatrist. You won't mind if I disagree with you. Here's a beautiful young woman, apparently well-to-do, apparently in good physical condition, who just doesn't care what happens to her. This is interesting. Not altogether unusual, but interesting. Madeline Damien is the sophisticated fashion editor of a swanky New York magazine, and she seemingly has it all. Wealth, beauty, and a string of men who adore her, but Madeline is troubled and desperately unhappy. She's being blackmailed by her assistant, and the men in her life are proving emotionally unfulfilling. You know, you're not at all what I imagined. No. No. The big international jeweler. I happen to inherit a business that runs itself very nicely. As a matter of fact, you don't look like an art editor. More like a work of art. Yes, despite having the world at her feet, Madeline's mind is in a very dark place. This culminates one evening when she decides to end it all by driving her car into a tree. How is she? Luckier than she deserves. I just checked on her up the road. She was acting kind of strange then. I'd better call that ambulance. I doubt if it's serious, and I'm as good a doctor as you'll find at this time of night. Let's take her inside. Handily, the tree belongs to a psychiatrist who's spotting the troubles behind her eyes, offers to help her. His plan is for a total life reboot. Madeline must give up everything in her life and seek anonymity. She's been living in an area of infection, and she's removed herself from it. I take it you consider me part of the general contamination. Well, you've come here for information, not diagnosis. I usually charge a fee for insulting people. I suppose you're being very ethical, but I'd like to talk to Madeline. Miss Damien is living under a different name in a different world. She told me to tell you, if you inquired, that she was busy growing a new soul. Now, would you please keep off the grass? She does so in a cheap downtown boarding house where she meets and falls in love with a penniless scientist, David Cousins, whose easy charm and friendship offers something that Madeline's never really had, true human connection. But it isn't long before the ghosts of Madeline's past come back to haunt her, and this time round, they're more violent and determined than ever. No, I'm not really detestable, am I? No, I am. Why? Because I ought to go home. In this rain, you mustn't even think of it. You see, you are detestable. And you've been very annoying for months. 
Madeline, we belong together. You know that. No, I don't know of that. Of course you do. We feel the same way about mm, life. You're not making sense, Mr. Corden. Why make sense? Doesn't this make more sense than talking and lying? No sense at all. Then what would you call it, darling? Stupid. I really like this movie. You know sometimes when you just click with a movie's vibe... I love the cast, from Hedy Lamarr at her glamorous best as the doomed girl looking for happiness beneath a rock. I love John Loder as the oily playboy who keeps slithering back into Hedy's life. I even like Dennis O'Keefe as the simple guy with a heart of gold. It might be the only time that his shtick actually plays well for me. You also have Margaret Hamilton as a shrill landlady, Morris Karnofsky as the wise old owl psychiatrist, William Lundigan as the no-good assistant whose thirst for money is leading him towards some very dark decisions. It's an embarrassment of riches when it comes to the cast. This apparently had a lot of difficulties in getting to the screen. I think originally it was to have been a lot more explicit in its depictions of Madeline's sexual escapades, but the code saw to that. Also, the mental health issues of Madeline's family are hinted at here, but never expanded upon. That was a code violation too, so they had to go. That said, I do think the film has enough to keep you vibing with it, even if the whole message of Madeline's depressed, just go with it, is a little underbaked. As I say, it's a glamorous, swirling thriller drama movie with great stars, a good deal of intrigue, and the Brighton Strangler as a Casanova. What's not to like about that? Fun fact, John Loder and Hedy were married during the making of The Brighton Strangler and this What a pair of overachievers, right? One invented Wi-Fi, and the other invented this. They got divorced a few months after Dishonored Lady came out, though. I guess they could never really top those achievements. Anyway, Dishonored Lady from 1947. Glorious film. Plus, it's in the public domain, so you can just open up YouTube and watch it right now, and I wouldn't blame you at all. Radio entertainment comes this week from the Lux Radio Theatre, where in the company of Hedy herself, who takes a co-starring role alongside William Powell in a role originally played on film by Myrna Loy. This is Love Crazy, an adaptation of the 1941 comedy hit, so I'll leave you in their very, very capable hands, and I'll see you afterwards. The Lux Radio Theatre brings you William Powell and Hedy Lamarr in Love Crazy. Ladies and gentlemen, your producer, Mr. Cecil B. DeMille. (laughs) Greetings from Hollywood, ladies and gentlemen. I know very little about astrology, but I'm sure anyone could draw an accurate horoscope promising success and popularity for the Lux Radio Theater tonight. One quick look at the stars would be enough, because those stars are two of the brightest in the Hollywood sky. William Powell and Hedy Lamarr. We borrowed them from the Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer constellation, where they shone together recently in Crossroads, and where Hedy Lamarr has just finished the much-talked-about White Cargo. We went to the same studio for our play, the gay comedy Love Crazy. You'll remember it as one of Bill Powell's most versatile performances. Tonight you'll hear Bill and Hedy Lamarr as husband and wife starting out to celebrate their wedding anniversary, but naturally not expecting a domineering aunt, an ex-sweetheart, and a lunacy commission to horn in on the celebration. In a world where people have adventures like that, I suppose very few are guided by the Greek philosophers. But you'll find some highly modern ideas among them. 
There's Aristotle, for instance, who had never heard of Lux Toilet Soap because it hadn't been invented, but stoutly maintained that personal beauty is a better introduction than any letter. He might have been thinking of a motion picture star or any one of millions of lovely American girls who know all about Lux Soap. They all share the, the same secret, and the little magician that helps them is known to most of you, I believe, in three little words. Lux Toilet Soap. Three other words, curtain going up, bring on the first act of Love Crazy, starring Hedy Lamar as Susan and William Powell as Steve. Oh! 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 Hey! Hey! What's the matter up there? What's the matter? It's Mr. Hey! Island on the tenth floor. What happened? I don't know. Oh! He's got his head caught in the elevated door. Mr. Steve Ireland, apartment 10A, has his head caught in the elevator door. This evening at 7 o'clock, Mr. Ireland was the happiest man on earth, all ready to go out and celebrate his fourth wedding anniversary. Now, just 10 minutes later, he has his head caught in the elevator door. Such is life. Let's go back a little and see how it all came about. It's 7 o'clock, and Mr. Steve Ireland has just entered his apartment. Susan! Susan! Is that you, Steve? Oh, hello, darling. Happy anniversary, darling. Happy anniversary. Oh, what's that thing? That, my love, is a portable phonograph. Oh, darling, I've always wanted a portable. Yeah? Well, it was the best I could rent for 35 cents a day. Pretty cheap, considering it has my initials on it. Oh, darling, I've got some great news for you. What? I've decided to keep you another year. Maybe you haven't seen the new models. They haven't got brakes like me. <laughs> what brakes have you got? <laughs> Will you do something constructive? What? Will you get my walking shoes? Your walking shoes? Yes. You don't expect me to walk four miles in dancing shoes, do you? Well, uh, look, darling. Do you think we want to go through that rigmarole again tonight? Rigmarole? Oh, darling, we swore that every year we do exactly what we did when we were married. Yes, I know. Uh, oh, I love that walk to the Justice of the Peace. Four miles. Look, darling, I've got an idea. Why don't we do everything we did, only in reverse? In reverse? Yeah, uh, backwards. Oh, but that would mean that we'd have to take our four-mile walk at midnight. And backwards at that. Yeah, that's right. Everything backwards. Oh, but that sounds very silly. Well, now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Now, let me show you. Uh, going in reverse, it is now 1 a.m. Now, let's see. What was the first thing I did? Oh, I turned out the lights. There we are. Wait. You forgot to wind the clock. Oh, yes, yes, I set the alarm for 12 o'clock. You were going to lunch with your Aunt Bessie. The next thing you did was to crack your ankle on that chair. Well, if you don't mind, I'll just skip that part of the routine. <laughs> well, then the next... Oh, darling. You know, you shouldn't be allowed to stand at the moonlight like that. It ought to be against the law, like other strong drugs. I don't remember you saying that before. I should have. Come here, darling. Ah, Steve, the door. Oh, for the love Might of... you better answer it. All right. But whoever it is, they shall not pass. Happy anniversary, Steve. Four years ago today. Isn't it wonderful? Yes, isn't it? Steve, you look funny. Are you all right? Oh, yes, fine, fine. Come in, Aunt Bessie. Oh, hello, Aunt Bessie. Oh, there you are. Happy anniversary, darling. Thank you. Put on the lights, Steve. No, I can't stay long, darling. I just wanted to congratulate you. After all, you've been just like a daughter to me, Susan. Hasn't you, Steve? And you're just like a mother-in-law to me, Aunt Bessie. <laughs> Darling Steve. <laughs> now, just wait till you see what I've brought you. A rug for the foyer. There. Oh, isn't it just too matchless? Oh, uh, it's 
It's lovely, Aunt Betsy. Isn't it? Gorgeous. <laughs> Where did you ever find such a beautiful shade of uh, purple? Well, put it down, Steve. Don't you wonder how you ever managed without it? Oh, it's, it's lovely, Aunt Bessie, but uh, I thought you knew that we had to take up the rug you gave us last year because uh, the floor is just too highly polished. Everybody flipped on it. I remember very well, but the dimensions of this rug are absolutely perfect. Oh, Susan, dear, I wonder if I could have just a little bite to eat. I'm famished. Oh, but I'm... Now, don't fuss or anything. Don't pay any attention to me at all. You go right ahead as if I weren't here. Go ahead and what? Steve. <laughs> I, I must keep an eye on the time. Your Aunt Laura is coming in from California at 8 o'clock. 8 o'clock? Oh, well, you'd better run along if you're planning to meet her. Yes, you wouldn't want to be late. Uh -huh. It's all right, children. There's no hurry. Oh, I completely forgot something. Nothing you'll have to dash out and attend to, I hope. Steve, you can go out and mail this letter for me. It's my insurance premium. It must be sent tonight. Steve, dear, I hate to trouble you. Oh, no trouble at all. <laughs> what else would I have to do? I'll be right back, Steve. Thanks for the rug, Aunt Bessie. <laughs> Steve, always counting. Right back. <laughs> Elevator, hey, going down. Hold it. Yes, sir. Oh, good evening, Mr. Island. Evening. Watch your step, please. Well, Steve Island. Isabel. Oh, how are you? Sure, I haven't seen you since you were married. That's right. Four years to a day. Oh, now, don't tell me you're not back in circulation yet. Oh, not me. I'm stuck for life, and oh. I like it. That doesn't sound like Stevie the party boy. Hey, weren't you married, too? Yeah, a month after you jilted me. But with me, it was different. You see, I had to do something to mend my broken heart. Oh, your broken heart. You were glad to get rid of me. Anyway, that's what I told people. Oh, Steve, you're looking elegant. Really? I wasn't even trying. What are you doing here? Oh, I just moved in. You live here? Yeah, 10A. I'm 11C. Well, we're neighbors. <laughs> Remember that if you ever want to borrow a cup of sugar, sugar. <laughs> Say, is this the ground floor? Uh, well, no, Mrs. Grayson, it isn't. Uh, as a matter of fact, we're in between floors. The power's off. You mean we're stuck? Looks like it. And say, I can think of a lot better places to park. What are you going to do? Well, we'll have to go out through the top of the elevator. You mean that, that little hole up there? Yes, sir. That's the emergency door. Then I can stand on the top of the elevator and open the door on the fourth floor. Oh, I see. Give me a boost, will you, Mr. Island? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, there. Okay. One second, Mr. Island. Hurry up. Okay, I'll just wait till I get the door open. Well, I guess you're next, Isabel. How is your acrobatic work? Well, it hasn't changed much. Uh -huh. Now, uh, here, just uh, just put your foot on my knee and then uh, uh, then on my shoulder. Oh, but uh, I'd better take my shoes off. I don't want to stab you to death. Oh, thanks. I guess I wouldn't look so well in footprints. Here, put them in your pocket. Huh? Oh, yes. Uh, ready? Ready. Are you up? Oh, easy. Well, don't wiggle, Steve. Well, would you mind uh, uh, not stepping on my face, please? Oh. Oh. Okay, Mrs. Grayson. Up you go. Oh, up. thank you. Now, if you'll hold the elevator door open just a minute, I'll help Mr. Island. Uh, give me your hand, Joe. Okay. Come on. Come on. Of course, this elevator would never get stuck with that fessing in it. Hold on to that door, Mrs. Grayson. Yeah, I've got it. Okay, Mr. Island. Your head's up, Steve. Now, just play like it's a transom you're climbing over. Yeah, but don't make jokes. Here, I'll help, too. The door, the door, don't let go. Oh! Steve! His head's oh. gone. Open the door! I can't. Hey. Open it, I can't. open it! It's locked or something. I'll have to call the elevator. Oh. Susan. Uh, Susan. 
Alan, where have you been? Why, you're all dirty. Oh, darling, what happened? The thing. The elevator broke down. Oh, darling, was there an accident? Are, are you sure you're not hurt? No, 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 I'm fine now, but it's a close call. Oh, Angel. Your hat. Steve, you've lost your hat. Huh? Oh, I guess I must have left the elevator. How do you like my new neck, dear? Must have stretched a foot. Oh, but what happened? I'm telling you, my head just caught the door. I was hanging there. I'll get it. Excuse me, ma'am. Here's Mr. Island's hat. He left it in Mrs. Grayson's apartment. Oh, thank you. Mrs. Grayson? Who's that? Oh, yes, yes. I was, I was going to tell you about that, dear. Isabel Kimball, that is, Isabel Grayson, she is now. Well, she was in the elevator when it broke down, so I went into her place for a minute to pull myself together, and I guess that's where I left my hat. Isabel Kimball, hmm? That's the girl who gave you a black eye when you told her you were going to marry me. Yes, but she's, uh, she's married now and got a husband. Really? Whose husband has she got? Just a minute. Sorry to bother you, sir, but Mrs. Grayson would like her shoes, please. Her shoes? Oh, uh, yeah, uh, here, I've got them in my pocket. Here you are. Thank you, sir. Well! <laughs> oh, that's all right, Aunt Bessie. Uh, that's how Steve dresses me, you know. He steals a pair of shoes here, a dress there. All I have to buy are my underthings. Stephen, tell us your story of how you got Mrs. Grayson's shoes. She took them off to stand on my shoulders. Hmm, sounds like fun. Well, it wasn't fun. Oh, good heavens. Look at the time. I'll have to run, Susan. I won't be able to stay for dinner after all. Oh, what a shame. Goodbye, Aunt Bessie. Good night, Stephen. Good night, Susan. Happy anniversary, children. Thank you. Good night. Watch out for the rug. Oh! Aunt Bessie! Oh! Aunt Bessie, are you all right? Are you all right, Aunt Bessie? I fell. Oh, are you hurt? It's my ankle. It's sprained again. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh. I'll call a doctor. Oh, wait, Susan. Uh, don't you think it'd be better if she went to a hospital? No. No, I'd rather stay here. Help me onto the couch, Stephen. Oh, 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 what on earth are we going to do about Aunt Laura? Susan, you'll have to meet her. Oh, but, but, but tonight, it's our anniversary. Oh, I'm sorry, darling, but I guess I'll have to go. Yeah, but look. You'll only have to drive her to Westvale, dear. Westvale? Well, that'll take half the night. Oh, I know, Steve, but... Hurry, Susan. Yes, Aunt Bessie. And don't worry about me, dear. No, Aunt Bessie. Uh, good night. Goodbye, Steve. Goodbye, Susan. Uh, happy anniversary, dear. Mm. Hello, Aunt Bessie. Hello, dear. Well, I finally got Aunt Laura bedded down. How's your ankle? Oh, my ankle isn't troubling me anymore. Oh, that's good. Stevie? I'll be very much surprised if you find him here, my dear. Really? Where is he? I'm sure I couldn't say. Aunt Bessie? What are you trying to tell me? Well, I heard Stephen talking to that Grayson woman on the phone. Isabel Grayson? Yes. Are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. She called here and pretended she was a business friend, and he ordered a taxi cab, and they've been gone for three hours. Huh. Steve said they lived just above us, didn't they? Susan, what are you going to do? Aunt Bessie, I think you'd better run along now. Yes, of course, but... Oh, please, Aunt Bessie. Well, good night, dear. But if you take my advice... I'll handle this. Very well. Hello, uh, will you connect me with Mr. Grayson, please? Mr. Grayson? Yes, ma'am. Yes? Hello, uh, this is Mrs. Ireland. Is Mr. Ireland there? Mr. Ireland? Certainly not. Well, uh, is Mrs. Grayson there? No. <laughs> I'm sorry to bother you, but uh, when do you expect them back? Well, I don't expect them. Wait a minute. Do you mean my wife is Uncle Steve Ireland? Yes, she is. Listen, if he's starting to fool around with Isabel again, I'll break his back. Oh, no. No, I'm sure that won't be necessary. Oh, well, what do you think I should do about it? 
Well, uh, tell me, Mr. Grayson, are you good-looking? Am I good? Hey, are you kidding me? What's on your mind? Well, if uh, Steve would walk in and find me, uh, say, kissing you, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't have any more trouble with him. And I don't think you'd have any more trouble with her, either. Oh, I get it. Give them a taste of their own medicine, huh? Great idea. All right, wait for me. Uh, what apartment is it? 11C. Oh, wait, it's not 11G, it's 11C. Hello, 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 hello. some of these lights. It'll make it look more romantic. Huh? Um, uh, pardon me, but I can't for the moment remember where we met. Oh, I don't think we ever did. I've seen you in the elevator now and then. Oh, so that was it, huh? I know what would help. Let's have something to drink. Oh, pardon me. Uh, what do you have? I don't suppose you care for whiskey. Why not? Perfect. But perfect. A little under breath would help wonderfully. <laughs> oh, that's very funny. <laughs> Tell me, dear, how did you ever happen to think of this? Well, when I, when I thought about my husband being out with another woman, I decided to teach him a lesson. Oh, I see. Well, we'll teach him a good lesson, won't we? Eh? <laughs> I certainly will. I think I'll put some lipstick on you now. And why not? Kiss me, baby. Oh, wait. Uh, please stop. Well, what's the matter, baby? Oh, well, uh, there's no particular rush about it. Oh, all right. Have it your way. Tell me, what are those things? Those? Oh, just a bow and some arrows. I shoot a little. Really? Well, can you hit anything with it? Once in a while. I just happen to be the world's champion. Here, I'll show you. See that target over there? Well, what? Oh, wait a minute. What are you doing? I'm taking off my shirt. I can't shoot unless my torso is free, if you'll oh. pardon the expression. Now what? See? Bullseye. Oh, that's very good. Bullseye. Wonderful, you. Wait. I think I hear them. Hmm? Grab me. Kiss me. Quick. Sure. Oh, you're beautiful. What have I done to deserve this? Mm. Wait. I don't hear anything now. I guess I was wrong. What are you listening for? Must have been somebody else. Who? Oh, I don't know whoever it was. <laughs> you know, you're not the easiest girl in the world to understand. Well, you're a little peculiar yourself. Oh, I'm not really. Not when you get to know me. Come here. No. No, stop it. Kiss Let's me, baby. go. Now, keep away from me. Stop. Hey, now, now, now. Take it easy. Oh, hey. Hey, wait, baby, wait a minute. Help! Oh, shut up, will you? Come back here. Let me alone. Now, cut it out, cut oh, it out. Please. Now, don't scream like that. You let go of me, Mr. Grayson, or I'll scream like an eagle. Not out here in the hall. You might... Wait a minute. My name's not Grayson. You're not Mr. Grayson? No, no, that's Grayson's apartment down the hall. Oh, but then who... Oh. Oh, then you thought that I... How dare you? Oh. Hey, take it easy. Oh, uh... I'm terribly sorry. Well, I, I guess I can't blame you very much. Uh, my name's Willoughby. What a stupid mistake. Well, there's no harm done, not unless your hair's turned white. <laughs> Good night, Stevie. Good night, Isabel. Well, look who is here. Hello, Stephen. Susan. Well, aren't you on the wrong floor? Susan. What, what, oh, it's world... your wife, Steve. How do you do? Oh, charm, Mrs. Grayson. Susan, what are you doing here? And who is that? Don't tell me it's Aunt Laura. 
Uh, my name's Willoughby. Ward Willoughby. He's Aunt Laura. If she's a business acquaintance. Say, are you referring to me? Look, I, I don't want to be tiresome, but who is this guy? Uh, the name's Willoughby. Ward Willoughby. Mr. Willoughby, aren't you kind of cold without your shirt on? This gentleman is a friend of mine. This is my husband, Steve Ireland. I'm Ward Willoughby. How do you do? How do you do? What do I mean, how do you do? What are you doing with my wife dressed like that? I'm not dressed like that. Look, I was in my apartment minding my own business. Oh, don't bother to explain. First, I want to know what my husband was doing out with the uh, Chamber of Commerce here. I was just leading Mrs. Grayson out her door. So, I noticed. What's the matter here? What's going on here? Oh, hello, darling. Who's this guy? Oh, he's uh, my husband. Darling, this is Mr. You shut up. I'll attend to you later. Excuse me, Mrs. Ireland. I'll go and put a shirt on. Oh, are you Mrs. Ireland? Well, I've been waiting for you for the last 20 minutes. Another one? What were you doing, dear? Canvassing the building? Well, I must. <laughs> Will you keep quiet? Mrs. Ireland, you phoned me downstairs. Oh, she phoned you, I see. Yes, I phoned him. So I went to your apartment to tell you that You I... weren't in your apartment when I called? No, I was at the desk. Well, I think I know who was in your apartment. Say, what do you mean? You're you know what she means, and so do I. I want to know what you were doing. Look, 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 I know what. Let's all room together all through school. <laughs> Susan, are you asleep? Susan, are you asleep, dear? No. Oh, I thought you were asleep. <clears throat> uh, good night, dear. Steve. Yes? Steve, am I what you call a... a jealous type? Jealous? You? Oh, you haven't an atom of jealousy in you. Not a bit. Then why do I want to chop your head off? Huh? Oh, I, I don't know. Maybe you think I'd look better without it. Maybe I'd like you to keep it from telling me what happened tonight. Oh, now, honey, it's not that bad. Look, you wouldn't mind hearing about it at all. Oh, don't tell me, Steve. Not if it's a lie. I couldn't forgive you that. Honey, Pot, all that happened was that Isabel phoned. Then I called a cab and slipped downstairs to meet her. We went out for a drink... And then came home. You know the rest. You, you called a cab? Yes. And you took her off? Yes. You weren't in her apartment? No. All right. Don't say any more. I believe you, Steve. Well, of course. Now, that's my girl. Oh, Steve. I know that whatever else happened, you wouldn't lie to me. Well, not on our anniversary. Steve, there are only five minutes of our anniversary left. Don't you worry, honey face. We're going to have a million anniversaries. Uh... Honey. Yes, darling? Just one little question. Uh, what was that guy doing in his undershirt? He has to have his torso free when he shoots his bow and arrow. When he... Now, <laughs> uh, what kind of an answer is that? He's the world's champion bow and arrow. Yeah? Okay, you believed me, I'll believe you. <laughs> Take it. Hello? Hello. Is Mr. Ireland there? Uh, this is Mrs. Ireland. Well, this is a taxi driver. Oh, uh, yes? Who is it? Now, look here, lady. Mr. Ireland ordered a cab at 8.30, and he ain't come out of the building. Does he still want me to wait? No. No, but I do. I'll be right down. Uh, what was it? The end of the world. What? What do you mean? Who was it? A taxi driver. A taxi driver? <laughs> what is he doing, drumming up trade? So you went out, did you? You didn't go out. You went with her in her apartment. Oh, Susan, <laughs> darling, now please, please don't cry, dear. I'm not crying. And, and if I am crying, it's 
because I think that 12 o'clock at night is a pretty rotten time to, to start my life over again. What are you doing? I'm going inside and get dressed. I'm leaving. Oh, now, honey, dear, wait. Get out of my way. Now, now listen. Now, let me get dressed. Susan. Will you please get your head out of that door? No. Whom are you going to believe, me or a taxi driver? A taxi driver. Ow! Ooh, my head! Ooh! <laughs> In just a few minutes, Mr. DeMille and our stars, William Powell and Hedy Lamar, will return in Act Two of Love Crazy. And now, here's our Hollywood reporter, Libby Collins. Well, Libby, keeping up with the stars as usual? Well, this time, I was just ahead of one. The other afternoon, I was at Union Station in Los Angeles to meet a friend. Quite a little crowd of us were coming through the gate. I turned around all of a sudden and looked right into a pair of gorgeous blue eyes. And who should they belong to but Paulette Goddard? Libby, I've been in and out of that station dozens of times, but I never had luck like that. <laughs> she certainly did look stunning. Well, the ladies in our audience might like to know what Paulette was wearing, Libby. Did you notice? <laughs> Don't think I didn't. A simple dress with a short fur jacket and a perfectly enchanting little hat. Um, dark brown with tiny copper sequins sewn all over the veil. You know, it must have been fun for Miss Goddard to wear that hat. I bet when she took a look in her mirror and saw how that sparkly veil set off a million-dollar complexion, well... Libby, she must have felt the way lots of pretty ladies do when they look in their mirrors and see a smooth, lovely complexion. Mighty pleased with themselves. And think how many of them, including Miss Goddard, must be pleased with their Lux Soap complexion care. You know, Paulette Goddard says she doesn't let a day go by without taking an active lather facial with Lux Toilet Soap. She just smooths the creamy, rich Lux soap lather lightly in. Then she rinses with warm water and follows with a dash of cool. She pats her face dry with a soft towel. It's a simple care, but it really works. Yes, Libby. Famous screen stars, lovely women everywhere have proved that. Lux toilet soap, you see, has active lather that swiftly removes stale cosmetics, every trace of dust and dirt. It's such rich, abundant lather, too. Screen stars say it feels like smoothing beauty in to use gentle Lux toilet soap. Yet this luxurious soap costs but a few pennies a cake. Just try active lather facials with gentle white Lux toilet soap for 30 days. Then look in your mirror and see. We pause now for station identification. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. Love Crazy, starring Hedy Lamar as Susan and William Powell as Steve. <laughs> Susan Ireland, the irate wife, has run the usual irate wife's gamut of emotions, from suspicion to certainty, from tears to angry determination, from her husband's bed and board to a divorce lawyer's office. That's where Steve finally catches up with her. Susan, what are you doing here? I'm arranging with George to get a divorce. But George is my lawyer. Look here, George. If you help Susan divorce me, you'll lose my business and my business's business. As a matter of fact, Steve, I was just about to tell Susan I think she's being a little hasty. Well, then what are you waiting for? Go ahead and tell her. Susan, I think you're being a little hasty. 
hastier than you think. I want you to file the papers and get going on things today. Today? Isn't that a little soon? Unless you happen to think it's four years too late. Well, I don't know quite what to say. Say? Well, there's everything in the world to say. Say that a, a divorce is something that you'll never stop regretting. Tell her that, that marriage is too important a thing to be broken up by a trifle. Susan, marriage is too important a thing Have to be broken up by... Have you any idea where I might find a lawyer with a mind of his own? Well, you might try Mulvaney, Mulvaney, and DeWest. DeWest is very clever. Thank you. Oh, now, Susan, please don't go. I've got to talk to you. I'm sorry, Steve, but I'll never again believe a word you say. <laughs> Island talking. Hello, Steve. This is George. What are you doing? What have I been doing for the last eight weeks? Worrying. Look, George, do you think she's really going to show up in court tomorrow morning? Well, she got back in town today. She's here now at the Bristol's party. At the Bristol's? Well, hurry up. I mean, hang up. I'll be right over. Steve, over here. What is she, George? What is she? Out on the terrace. Go ahead. Okay. Susan. Oh, hello, Steve. Susan, could I... Could I speak to you for a minute? I don't know. Isn't it unlucky for the groom to see the bride the night before the divorce? Susan, for two months I've been planning what I'd say to you. And now all I can think of is... I feel awful. Do you, Steve? I rather hoped you would. Tell me exactly how you feel. Well, I can't sleep. And when I try to eat, I can't. Because I've got a great big cold cannonball right here in the pit of my stomach. Good. What's good about it? Oh, Susan, why do you want me to be this miserable? Because I don't want to be the only one. Susan. Oh, it's only natural. I expected to feel badly for a while. Oh, but not that badly, honey. Kate, that's love. Yes, I suppose it is. Well, then let's go home. I can't. There's no such word, dear. There's no such thing as marriage based on deceit. Steve, I begged you not to lie to me. But I didn't lie to oh, you. Oh, Steve, if you'd only be honest and admit that you lied. There's nothing I wouldn't forgive you. All right, darling, if that's the way you feel about it, I'll confess. Uh, I lied. I was guilty. You mean you were in Isabel's apartment? Yes, that's right. An anniversary, you beast. But I've admitted it. You said you'd forgive me. I suppose it's perfectly all right because you've admitted it. But, Honeycake, I only said I was guilty because you I said... don't care what I said. I'll hate you for that for the rest of my life. Oh, what's the trouble? Anything wrong, Susan? Oh, it's you again. The bow and hour. I didn't recognize you with your clothes on. Well, take me home, please. I ought to sock him in the nose. Yeah? You and who else? Yeah. Hey, Steve. Anything happen? Yeah. He's gone home with Little Beaver. He's been in Arizona with Susan and her Aunt Bessie for two months. He's doing all right, I guess. George, you've got to have this divorce case postponed. No can do, Steve. But Susan still loves me. She told me. Call up her attorney and offer him a bribe, anything. Oh, no can do. Will you please stop saying that? You're driving me crazy. Well, look, Steve. Say, that would do it. Huh? Well, if you, if you went crazy, Susan couldn't divorce you for five years at least. She couldn't? Why, even if you suggested symptoms of insanity, why, it would require the postponement of 30 days before they could find out if you were crazy or not. George, I love you. Look, George, look. Huh? What's that? I'm a teapot. <laughs> that's very funny, you know. Oh, that's only the start. <laughs> You'll have to have witnesses, Steve. Yeah, I've got a hundred of them right here at this party. Here, hold my shoes for a minute. You might as well take the socks, too. What for? What for? Did you ever see a teapot with shoes and socks on? Oh, that's right. Hey, somebody's coming out. Be quick. I'll meet you outside with the shoes. Yeah. Ah, 
Oh, good evening. <laughs> oh, it's nice and cool out here, isn't it? Very warm inside. My name is Krugel. <clears throat> Said it's very warm inside. Where did you leave your parachute? I, I beg your pardon. <laughs> My name is Krugel. I. Uh... You'll pry no information out of me. My friend, I don't understand. Oh, you have lost your shoes, is that it? Lost my shoes? Oh, no. No, no, my feet were prisoners, locked up in those dungeons, without food or water. The enemy locked them up to keep them from talking. But they never said a word. They were loyal. I don't understand. So I set them free. See how happy they are? They wiggle. Oh, happy little feet, happy little feet. The enemy, they're coming. What enemy? Don't you hear the horses? I know. No, and why? Because they're sneaking up on tiptoe. Horses? Good night, my friend. My hat, please. Uh, yes, sir. Good night, Mr. Arnold. My hat. And you may give me the others, too. Oh, uh, excuse me, sir, but uh, them hats belong here. My friend, I set you free. Henceforward, you are a free man. But you can't free me, sir. I'm free now. Don't be silly. If I can't free you, then why am I Abraham Lincoln? What's the matter with Steve? The hats, please. Mr. Ireland, don't throw them hats around, sir. Hats? I set you free. Out the window, hat. Fly away. Hey, Steve, that's my hat. Why are you throwing hats out the window? Goodbye, hat. Listen, that's my $30 topper. What the world is... Steve, this is your idea of a joke. They're prisoners. I've set them free. You're drunk. I never drink while emancipating. They're free, free, free. <laughs> Now, Mrs. Ireland, please state to the court, in your own language, your reasons for doubting that your husband is really ill or insane. Well, I just don't see anything unusual in the way he behaved last night. It doesn't prove he's having a nervous breakdown. He was just having a good time. You mean that such behavior is usual with him? Now, look here, George. You know he's behaved that way often. Really, Mrs. Ireland? Yes, Your Honor. I tell you he's not crazy. This is just a trick to delay my divorce. Who did that? Uh... That was my client, Your Honor, Mr. Ireland. Mr. Ireland, do you realize you're in a court of law? Oh, I'm sorry, Your Honor. Take your seat, please. Now, Mrs. Ireland, suppose you tell us exactly... Mr. Ireland! Oh, I'm sorry, Judge. I was just trying to hail a cab. The court orders this case adjourned for 30 days. But why? You mustn't. I'm sorry, Mrs. Ireland, but I'm afraid your husband is in a doubtful mental condition. He'll be examined by the Lunacy Commission tomorrow. The Lunacy Commission? Thank you, Your Honor. Court's adjourned. Hey, George, George, come here. What's this Lunacy Commission? I don't like it. Lunacy, schmunacy, what's the difference? You've just convinced these people you're crazy. You can convince the commission you're sane. You've got nothing to fear from the Lunacy Commission. No? Then why am I afraid? <laughs> Now, Mr. Ireland, just sit over here, please. All of us are here to help you. Remember that. Thank you. Thank you. Well, now, gentlemen, what would you like to know? Uh, Mr. Ireland, if you'll please put those pegs in the appropriate holes. Oh, I see. Square peg in square hole, round peg in round hole. <laughs> well, a man would certainly be an idiot if he couldn't do this, wouldn't he? Oh, I suppose that's the point. Exactly, Mr. Ireland. Oh, good morning, gentlemen. I'm sorry if I'm late. Good morning, Good morning. Doctor. Good morning. Well, 
Good morning, my friend. Good morning, sir. <laughs> uh, haven't we met somewhere before? My name is Klugel. Oh, yes, yes, sure. It was last night at... Uh... Holy Ivy. No, 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 but, no. But, uh, 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 Mr. Ireland, you mustn't be upset at finding yourself here. We are your friends. Oh, I'm not upset at all. I, uh, I just hope, won't, I hope you won't be prejudiced about me. My boy, my boy, not at all. Oh, thank you. Uh, shall we continue, gentlemen? <laughs> oh, uh, uh, by the way, gentlemen, uh, Mr. Ireland is the man I told you about to uh, set the hats free and herd the horses on tiptoe. Oh, I think, gentlemen, that we are agreed on the verdict. That will be all, thank you. Just a minute, Doctor. You can't declare this man insane. I'm his lawyer. I demand another hearing. Oh, now, please. So look please. here. I'll go to the mayor. I'll go to the governor, the president. Oh, quiet, please. Uh, uh, Mr. Rennie, if there's any change in Mr. Ireland's condition, you can have a new hearing in six months. Six, six months? months? Have Mrs. Ireland come in, please. Now, look here. You will be placed in the custody of Mrs. Ireland, and it will be up to her to take care of you. Mrs. I'll be placed in the custody... I'll be with my wife? Yes. Oh, that's fine, fine. Dr. <laughs> oh, come in, Mrs. Ireland. I, uh, I have some very tragic news for you. Your husband has just been declared insane. Declared insane? Oh, Steve, you fool. Susan, I tried to tell him that I'm all right, didn't I, Klugel? Oh, hmm? stop it. Stop that acting, you lunatic. Mrs. Ireland, I know this must be a terrible shock. Do you shock really to you. call yourself a doctor? How can you let him fool you like this? My dear young lady, no one has been fooled. Now, uh, uh, would you come this way, please? It's necessary that you sign a paper. Susan, wait. Don't let them take you, too. Oh, keep quiet. <laughs> ah, yes, 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 yes. Now, here's the paper, Mrs. Ireland. Uh, will you uh, sign here? What is this? Your consent to take your husband into your custody. Into my custody? Yes, that is the law, Mrs. Ireland. You see, your divorce is now postponed for at least five years. But... Oh, I see. Doctor, tell me, is it the law that I have to keep him with me all the time? Yes, well, unless you wish to put him in a sanitarium or some such institution. Mm-hmm. And could you recommend some such institution? Well, uh, Dr. Verdering has a very nice place in the country. Thank you. Oh, Stephen. Yes, dear? Stephen, would you like to go to the country? Oh, I'd just love to go to the country. That'd be wonderful. All right, darling. (laughs) (laughs) After a brief intermission, Mr. DeMille presents William Powell and Hedy Lamar in Act Three of Love Crazy. Welcome, sweet springtime, da-da-dee-da-da, da-dee-da-da. Why, Sally, aren't you a bit ahead of time? This is October, you know. Yes, but I keep thinking of spring, because that's when my rainbow tulip garden will be in bloom. I hope everyone will take advantage of our wonderful Lux and Lux toilet soap offer. Sally, it's a grand offer for flower lovers everywhere. Think of it. Ten superb tulip bulbs, first quality, full size, for only 25 cents and the wrapper from a cake of Lux toilet soap or the opening tab from a box of Lux. Just send the coins securely wrapped in paper with the Lux wrapper or tab to Lux Rainbow Garden, Box 1, New York City. And be sure to include your name and address. 
If you prefer, you can get handy order blanks from your dealer. And you can send for as many sets of bulbs as you like, enclosing an additional 25 cents and wrapper or tab for each set you want. With your bulbs, you'll receive an illustrated leaflet of planting instructions. It tells you how to plant the tulips indoors in pots if you wish. That way, they'll bloom early in time for Easter, when it's so glorious to have spring flowers. Well, I'm no gardener, Sally, but even I can grow these. The instructions are so clear, and tulips are such an easy flower to grow. And they bring such a rich reward in beauty. Tulip colors are so brilliant. Darwin, Cottage, and Breeder tulips of the finest varieties are included in this rainbow offer. They're wonderful deep shades of purple and golden bronze, clear bright yellows and pale pinks, and cerise and scarlet and rose. You'll be thrilled with the gorgeous display these tulips will make in your garden next spring. No ordinary bulbs, but from one of the largest and best-known growers in the country. And they'll bloom year after year. But don't delay. These choice bulbs are limited in quantity. I'll repeat the address. For each set of ten bulbs you wish, send 25 cents and a wrapper from a cake of Lux soap or the opening tab from a box of Lux flakes to Lux Rainbow Garden, Box 1, New York City. Don't forget to include your name and address. If you wish, get a handy order blank from your dealer. Please allow at least two weeks for your bulbs to reach you. And send now, because fall is the time for planting. This offer is good only in the United States. Now, our producer, Mr. DeMille. The curtain rises on the third act of Love Crazy, starring William Powell and Hedy Lamar. Steve is now in the country, in a lovely old house with a lovely old garden, surrounded by a high electric wire fence. This is Dr. Wuthering's rest home, but Steve is not resting very well. He's walking in the garden with an attendant. Well, nice place, ain't it, Mr. Ryland? Of course, the wire fence kind of spoils the view. Say, look, just a minute. Would you like to make $100? Just get me over that fence and out of this place. Mr. Ryland, I had a man in here a month ago who was going to give me a billion dollars just because I was so pretty. Do you know I never got a dime of it? Now, wait. Now, take it easy, Mr. Ryland, and I'll see you. Make yourself at home. I'll see you at lunch. Hey, Ireland. Hi, old kid. Remember me? <laughs> Say, what? <laughs> Look here, Willoughby. What are you doing in my car? I borrowed it from Susan. Oh, you did. Listen, you fake Hiawatha, one of these days I'm going to spread you around like warm butter. How does it feel behind that fence, Ireland? <laughs> Very funny. Look, I got a message for you. Susan just wanted me to tell you that she's leaving for Arizona tomorrow, unless you arrange for a new hearing right away. How can I? I'm stuck in here. All right. Nothing to me if you want to be stubborn. Personally, I like Arizona. What? Yeah. So long. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me think this over. Well, I'll give you five minutes. Holler when you've made up your mind. I'll get in a few archery exercises. Why don't you take off your shirt? Thanks, I will. Good idea. I suppose you've got your little bow and arrow in the back of my car. Oh, I don't need the bow. You see, I just go through the motion. Like this. See? Yeah. You look like you ought to be on this side of the... What? Uh, just talking to myself. <laughs> oh, God! <laughs> What's the matter here, Mr. Island? <laughs> Look out there. Hiawatha won't play with me. He ran away. The gardener left the gate open. Well, for the lover... Hey, Mike! Get that guy out there! He's shooting arrows! 
without no arrows. <laughs> hey, you, come here. Hello. Come on, Sonny, inside. Hey, 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 now, let go. Let go. Bring him in the gate, Mike. No, no, wait a minute. Hey, hey. Okay, Mike. Oh, wait. You fellas are making a terrible mistake. You know who I am. I know. You're Hiawatha. You frame me. This guy framed me. Come on. No, no, wait a minute. Grab him, Mike. No, cut it up. My name is Ward. Get the state jacket, Mike. Come on. No, listen. Hey, Ward. Ward. Look. Then he told them I was Hiawatha, so they grabbed me and shoved me through the gate. How did you get away? I told you, I had to fight. Well, what happened to Steve? Did he get away, too? Listen, I don't know what happened to him. I was just trying to get out of there. Oh, wait a minute. Hello? Mrs. Ireland? Yes. This is Dr. Wuthering. Mrs. Ireland, your husband has escaped. What? He and his accomplice. Accomplice? Oh, but that was only Mr. Mrs. Ireland, I can't talk now, but I might tell you we regard your husband as definitely homicidal. Homicide? He's a dangerous man. But don't worry, we're sending the police to protect you. Who is it? Open the door, quick. Hello, Isabel. Why, Steve. I'm look, Isabel. Could you hide me someplace? Hide you? Yes. The, the cops are after me. The cops? But They're all you... over the building. But I can't hide you here. My husband's in the shower. Isabel, where's the towel? Just a minute, dear. Steve, get out. I can't get out. They think I'm a maniac. Isabel! Yes, dear? Will you please get out? Look, look, give me some other clothes. At least do that for me. I can't give you my husband's clothes. He'd see me. Well, give me something. Give me some of your clothes. Oh, Steve, you can't pass as a woman. Get me a dress and a coat and a hat. At least I can get to my own apartment. They'll spot you in a minute. Leave that to me. Will, will you get me the clothes? All right. In my bedroom. You'll find my dresses in the right-hand closet, the hats in the left. Isabel! Yes, dear! <laughs> No news yet, eh? Okay, thanks. Nothing yet, Susan, but they're pretty sure he's in the building. Ward, do you think Steve has a chance to get to me? Not a prayer, so don't worry about it. I am worried. I want him to come here. What? I want to talk to him. Now, don't do it, Susan. He cooked up this party. Let him stew in his own juice. Ward, don't argue. Help me. Get the police off his track. Uh, take him to the wrong apartment, anything. Oh, give Steve a chance to get to me, please. Yeah, but I don't see Oh, please. What... Oh, all right, Susan. Thank you, Ward. I'll go down and hang around the lobby. I'll get that. Don't bother. <laughs> oh. Yes, ma'am? What, uh... What is it? Is, uh, is this Mrs. Ireland's apartment? I was told it was. Well, yes, ma'am. Yes, but I don't think Mrs. Ireland is receiving any visitors. I... Oh, but I'm not a visitor. I'm a member of the family. Oh, oh, sure. I can see the resemblance. You're Steve Ireland's mother, aren't you? I beg your pardon. I'm his sister. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Just go right in, Miss Ireland. Oh, thank you so much. You'll find her in the living room. Who is that? Someone for me? Mrs. Ireland. Good evening, dear. Is there something you wanted? Susan. It's me. It's Steve. Steve? Oh, Susan. What in the world are you doing in those clothes? Susan, I, I'm in a terrible jam. Well, I know, but what are you trying to prove? Look, they're, they're after me with guns. Look, I'm a homicidal maniac. So I hear, but I don't believe it. Well, of course not, but they believe it. And if they catch me, I'll be sitting in a padded cell in a straitjacket from now on. Steve, you might have known something like this would happen. Oh, Susan, are you going to quarrel with me now? 
I've had the most terrible time just trying to get to you. Doesn't that prove I love you? Maybe. But it doesn't prove why you didn't use that taxi cab that night of our anniversary. Darling, I told you that all Isabel and I did was to walk over to our little bar and have a drink. Honest, darling, I completely forgot that we had a taxi waiting. Oh, I wish I could believe that. Oh, why don't you believe it? Look, honey cake, you hide me somewhere until the cops leave the building, and then tomorrow morning we'll hop on a plane and fly to Canada. George can straighten out this lunacy business while we're having a second honeymoon, a wonderful second honeymoon, huh? All right, I'll do it. Oh, darling, kiss me. No, no, I mean I'll hide you. You'll go to Canada alone. But Susan... Come on, officer. Right. Oh, it's Ward. Get in the bedroom. Okay, the okay. Bedroom. But don't tell him. Susan! Uh... Yes, Ward. Uh, here I am. Where is he, Susan? Where is he? Uh, where is the uh, who? Steve. We heard his voice. I asked you not to look for him. Now, Susan, I'm not going to let Steve put this over on you, no matter what you say. Come on, officer. Okay, officer, okay. stay right where you are, unless you have a search warrant. Oh, now, Susan, be reasonable. Susan, where are you? Oh, come in, Aunt Bessie. Susan, I just heard Steve escape. Are you all right? Of course I'm all right. Oh. Why wouldn't I be? Officer, look in the bedroom. Okay. No. Don't touch that door. Come out of there. Oh, I, I beg your pardon, oh. madam. Oh, dear, how you frightened me. I'm sorry, madam. You ought to knock, you know, coming to the Why, well, it might have been a very embarrassing incident for both of us. You better leave, officer. Yes, ma'am. I'm sorry I didn't mean to make any trouble, ma'am. Susan, who is that woman? Uh, uh well, uh... uh Susan... Uh, you didn't tell me that you had company. Well, I, I was trying to keep them from disturbing you. Oh, but it's no disturbance at all. <laughs> I'm always happy to meet friends of my brother Steve. Oh, uh, my Aunt Bessie and Mr. Willoughby. Yes, we've met. Yes, how do you do? How do you do? So you're Susan's Aunt Bessie. <laughs> well, I'm just ever so, uh, well, just ever so. <laughs> and, uh, you're Stephen's sister. Yes. Yes, I remember. From Saskatchewan. Yes, that's right, from the Saskatchewan. Oh, it's such a pity about Stephen. Oh, yes, it's terrible. Susan, will you please tell us where he is? You're hiding him, aren't you? Will you give me one good reason why this is any business of yours? It's anybody's business who likes to keep you from making a fool of yourself. Suppose I want to make a fool of myself. Susan, Steve double-crossed you once. He'll do it again if you give him the chance. Ward, you're being very rude talking like this in front of Steve's sister. I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to be rude, but it's not my fault if Steve's a stinker. A stinker? Now, see here, Mr. Willoughby. I've heard just about enough from you. Why, if I weren't a lady, I'd slap your face. Ooh. Hey, take it easy. Oh, dear. I'm so sorry. Uh, pardon my hot temper, please. Well, I'm... Ward, you can't blame Miss Island for trying to defend her own brother. Well, it's my duty. After all, Stephen is my own flesh and blood. He certainly is. I'll tell you what Steve really is, if you want to know. He's a fake and a cheat and a bad sport. Oh, how dare you! No! Oh, dear. How embarrassing. I'm so impulsive. I got a good mind to let you have a suck in the... Ward, what are you thinking of? Well, whatever it was, I'm still thinking of it. My dear Miss Ireland, you do have a nasty temper. Oh, dear, all our family are like that. You know, Stephen once nearly killed three men with his bare hands. How horrible. What were they, pygmies? Oh, you mean that you got my word? <laughs> Why, if I were a man, I'd knock you down for that. No! <laughs> oh, dear, there I go again. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I'm so ashamed. So ashamed. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh Miss Island, don't cry. Please don't be upset. Ward, 
You ought to be ashamed. She's crying. She must be very easily hurt. She's easily hurt? Hey. Ward, apologize. Or leave this apartment immediately. Apologize? Yes. Well, all right. I apologize, Miss Island. I take my hat off, too. I bet you can lick any dame in the world. Upstairs, in his own apartment. Hey, Mike, come here. We got him. Where is he? Upstairs. He's his sister. Huh? I'm telling you. Steve Island is his sister. Whose sister? I got it right after she hit me. She? Who? Steve Island. Come on. Hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Don't I know you? This way, boys. This way. Sure, sure. I know you. You're Hiawatha. What? Hiawatha. Hey, grab this I guy. He just go. No. No. Susan, I don't understand you, really. If he was hiding here, you should have given him up. Even you must see that, Miss Ireland. Oh, no, no, no. I think Susan is perfectly right to protect Stephen if she loves him. I don't love him. I'm glad to hear that, Susan. I just don't want Stephen hunted and hounded like a common criminal. When all he's done is... He's tried to prevent you from divorcing him. Any crazy way he could. Just because he loves you too much to let you go. Miss Ireland, I don't think that you realize. If you'd been watching this marriage night after night as I have, you'd know what was wrong. Oh, indeed. Well, perhaps that's the root of all the trouble. <laughs> what do you mean? Will both of you please stop this? I have a mind of my own, and I'm perfectly capable of running my own life. Well, very well, my dear. Well, now, if you'll excuse me, I think I'll retire for the night. What? I'm very tired, dear. Uh, is the bedroom uh, this way? No, no, uh, that's my room. Your room is down here, Miss Island. The guest room. Oh, dear. I was hoping to sleep in there. For some reason, I feel drawn to that room. I do so love a southern exposure. Well, if you go in my room, you'll get another kind of exposure. Oh. Well, I wouldn't want that. I thought not. But good night. And, Susan, dear, if you get lonely during the night, I do hope you'll feel free to come to me. Nighty night, dear. <laughs> Susan. Susan, I am not going to leave you under that woman's influence. I'm spending the night here. But, Aunt Bessie, there won't be room for you. Nonsense. You go to bed, dear. I'll bunk in with your guest. Oh, no! <laughs> no, you, you two would just fight all night now. <laughs> Run along, Aunt Bessie. Imagine the nerve of that woman defending Stephen to us. I'd like to hear her explain what Stephen was doing that night he was out with Mrs. Grayson. I don't think you'll ever convince Miss Island there was anything wrong in that. I'll convince her. After all, I saw them with my own two eyes. You what? As I was leaving the building, I saw them walking along the street as bold as you please. You saw them walking along the street? Along the street? Yes. Where? Well, then he... He wasn't in her apartment. What? Oh, um, look, Aunt Bessie, you sleep in my room tonight. Believe me, it'll be much better. And, uh... Look, I'm going to take Miss Island back to Saskatchewan in the morning. That is... Honestly, Susan, you're so confused tonight. Oh, Aunt Bessie, go to bed and don't worry. I'm not confused anymore. Well, all right, but I hope you get a good night's sleep. Thank you. Oh, Miss Island. Miss Island? Yes? Oh, come right in, Susan, dear. <laughs> Hello. Hello, Susan. Did I wake you up? Yes. What's the matter, Ward? Susan, listen. The nut house people picked me up. They think I'm Hiawatha. 
Give me that phone. Somebody down and get me out. Hey, hey. Hello, Ward. Who's this? What are you doing there? And that was Hedy Lamarr and William Powell in Love Crazy. Wonderful. Well, that is all we have time for today. Remember, if you'd like access to over 70 bonus editions of this show, as well as a whole gang of other treats, all you need to do is sign up at patreon.com slash attaboysecret, which you can do by clicking the link in the show notes or listening on to the end of this show. Only takes a moment, and you'll get instant access to hundreds of hours of bonus goodies, plus you'll become a co-producer, and plus I'll love you as long as I live. Big kiss and ice creams for you as well. Before we go, let's see if you guessed the identity of the star in Who the Hell is That Hollywood Legend this time around. As I say, not a Golden Age star, but definitely a star who's been around a very long time and who's still with us. You must have got it right. Let's see, did you get it? Are you currently in a movie in which you have a great deal to do with a great many young ladies? Yeah. Mm. Are you Michael Caine? Yes, it was Morris Micklewhite himself, Mr. Michael Caine. That voice is unmistakable. Back to Golden Age stars next week, don't worry. Until next time then, my friends, thank you for joining me today. Take superlative care of yourselves and those you love, and bye for now. If you'd like to support this show, you can do so by going to www attaboyclarence.com and clicking on the Patreon banner. Pledges start from as little as $1 a month and in return you'll receive exclusive emails, bonus episodes, previews and ebooks. and every dollar pledged goes towards making these shows better and more frequent. Go to www.attaboyclarence.com or click the link in the show notes now to become a patron. Thank you. As a long-time foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts.